Hello and welcome to C3 City Light Podcast. You'll find us here in Raleigh until all are awakened to the light and love of Jesus. We hope that you find this message encouraging. For more information, check us out at c3citylight.com or on social media at C3 City Light. This is our third part of a four-part series we're doing called Our Best Life. Called Our Best Life. You know, life is too short and salvation is too precious for us to live at anything less than all Christ died for us to be. Life is too short and salvation is too precious for us to settle. And so we want to live our best life for the Lord. So we've been studying the life of Abram while you were sleeping this week. Today we're going to wake up and his, his, his new name is going to be Abraham. He was Abram last week. Now he's Abraham. We'll touch on that. It was Sarai. Now it's Sarah. We're going to get into all that. But here was a guy minding his own business, living his, doing his life, living his life. God calls him, leave your family, leave your homeland, and come follow me to a land that I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'm going to make your name great, and I will bless you so much that through you, all the people on earth will be blessed. So we've been learning about that, how God's best for our life is so much bigger than what we could imagine. It all starts with his plan. So if we're ever going to walk in God's best for our life, we've got to learn what God's plan is for our life. It's that simple. It starts with them. It all starts with them. And so we talked about that in week one. And then last week we talked about how do we live our best life in the waiting? All these years went by. Here Abraham is, he's 75 years old, and God speaks to him, leave your house, leave your family, leave your home, and go to a land I'll show you. I'm going to make your descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. And this guy's 75. And then God revisits him, you know, tells him the same thing again 10 years later. The Bible says sometime later, but from the context we could figure out it's been 10 years and nothing had happened. And God's like, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to protect you. And Abraham, Abram's just like, stop, 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 stop. What's the point of all these blessings if it's all going to go to my servant? I don't even have a son, Lord. You're over here talking about multi-generations and a nation and descendants and all this. And I just, I'll settle for a son. Just one. I don't even have that. And so we learned last week, how do we live our best life in the waiting? Because sometimes we're just waiting. And the word God spoke and the reality that we're living just, Lord, you said you would give me the desires of my heart. I want to get married and I'm still single, right? I'm waiting, Lord. I'm waiting. And we'll start out good. We'll start out like, Lord, he's got to be six foot high and have a six-pack note scratch that have an eight-pack. And he's got to have a good smile. And he's got to have a good job and be a good dad. And like fast forward five years, it's like, He needs some teeth, he needs a heartbeat, and a job. We'll work on the rest, Lord. We just begin to settle because we're tired of waiting. We get tired and impatient sometimes of waiting for God's best, waiting for the promise to become a reality. Can anybody relate to that? Just waiting. Lord, I'm just waiting. I'm tired of waiting. You said that we would be homeowners. I'm tired of renting, God. Let's go. Lord, you said you were going to bless me, and you said that if I followed you, where's it at? And we learned last week from Abram's life how to live our best life while we're waiting. But today, we fast forward to Genesis chapter 22, and the wait is over. Now, they made some mistakes. There's a test. Today, we're going to learn how do we live our best life because our best life requires a test. Man, I hated testing. and Well, that's not true. I love testing in high school and college and grad my grad school. I love tests 
because I could cram. I didn't do a whole, I didn't do it right. You know, you're supposed to gradually study and each day look at it. And I would wait till the night before I wouldn't sleep. I would get after it and I'd get all the pertinent information. And I had a, you know, my memory was sharp enough, like I was good for the test. The problem with that method was that by the time I got home from taking the test, I'd forgotten everything I learned. And then you fast forward a decade and I really, I'm like having to relearn everything that I learned in seminary and high school and all that. Because it's like, I just learned it good enough to make a good grade on the test. But I shortchanged the process. It's good at the test, but the test isn't the end result. Who cares if you can cram and learn just enough to pass the test? It's not about passing the test. It's about the process of knowing God. It's about the process of learning and educating and taking this truth externally and putting it internally in our heart. And you only do that through the process. The test is a good thing. But I miss the whole point of testing in school. And it's not about the test. It's about the process of growing. And so here, God finally blessed Abraham. He's got a son named Isaac. And I don't want to shortchange the story. Go back and read in your Bible. Abram had another test. Sarah gave him a test. Sarai. Abraham, this ain't working out. I'm about 99. I don't see things going to happen. Here's my servant, Hagar. She's young. Why don't you go sleep with Hagar? Y'all can have a kid. And then there we go. They were trying to help the Lord out, just trying to give them a little bit of help. Lord, I know I'm getting old. She's getting old. Let, hey, let's just let, we'll help you out, Lord. Guys, if your wife ever tells you to go do that, it's a test. Just say no. Let me just save you some heartache and some misery. Just say no. Like, no, 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 we're going to trust the Lord. We, we, he doesn't need our help. God doesn't need our help. We're gonna do, he's going to do what he said. All right, so Abram, meanwhile, he fails that test. But then they inherit the promise, and Isaac's born. Finally, 25 years later, after the promise, they've got a baby boy named Isaac. After Lamaze class for 25 years, after what to expect when expecting for 25 years, after all of that, finally they've got this baby boy. That's where we're going to pick up the day. But before I do, let me just give one more analogy just to kind of help set the tone. Um, one of the things I got to do when we were in Dallas was I was a chaplain at SMU. I was a chaplain with their football team. And my, I know they're 7-0 right now, and that sounds awesome. But my first season there, they were 0-12. I ran out of faith messages to preach. <laughs> like, I just ran, you too can slay a giant. We're 0-12. Like, no one wanted to hear that. You know, the Lord is close to us in our time of need. Like, it was more like grieving. Like, it was lamenting. It was that type of stuff. But now they're 7-0. They're crushing it. But. One of the things I loved is um, I started working out with the strength and conditioning coaches. I found that if I would take my lunch break and work out with them, like it was like the most fruitful time of the week with ministry and prayer and life and just stuff that was going on all through the course of working out. And these guys are just huge, you know. Like, and I remember I was in there lifting with them one time, and I'll never forget these words. One of the coaches says, look, if you just lift it the right way over time, you're going to be able to lift more. If you just lift it the right way, don't try to cheat, don't short king, like don't shortcut the, the form. Just if you lift it the right way, you're going to be stronger, and over time, you're going to be able to lift more. That's the person. That's the purpose of the test. God's teaching us how to lift things the right way so that over time we can lift more. Our capacity of what we can be entrusted with expands and grows if we learn 
to lift things the right way. If we learn to go through a test and not doubt, but just be full of faith, full of trust, we can carry more. We can lift more. But it's all about our motive. So we're going to see this. We're going to see this, what, what happened. So um, Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Have you ever wondered, like, why would God give me something just to ask for it back? Have you ever, have you ever I mean, this text just speaks to me. Wait a minute, God, you just blessed me with this, and now you want it back? That sounds like kind of two-sided, like you're take her back her. Like, we had a different term when we were kids, and I just think it's inappropriate. You can't say Indian giver. You can't say that. When we were kids growing up, we would say that. It's like, no, you're just a take her back her. You, you gave it, and then you took it back. You take her back her. Like, I don't trust you. My, my, uh, my 11-month-old's learning all about that right now from our three-year-old. Charlotte will give her a toy and be all happy about it, and then she'll want it back and because she, she's bigger. Yep. <laughs> she take her backer. I'm trying to teach her. I'm trying to teach her. Don't be a take her backer. But sometimes with the Lord, it just feels like that. Wait a minute. Why did you give me this just to ask for it back? Why are you going to be a take her backer? But here's why. It's just the test. It's just the test. Like on the radio. Boop. This is just the test. Like I hate that sound. That might be the most annoying sound in the world. On the television, on the radio. Boop. This is just the test. Oh. Okay, I'm going to stop paying attention now. It's just a test. But no, don't stop paying attention. It's when we're in the middle of testing that God teaches us to trust. We never fully learn how to trust without going through the test. Going through the test. And it's not about the test. For goodness sake, don't just cram for the test and stay up all night long just to pass the test. That's not the point of the test. The point of the test is that we learn how to trust. How to trust. Why would God give me something and ask for it back? Boop. This is just a test. God's trying to grow our level of trust. So we see in Genesis 22, verse 3, the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and he took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then they chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham said to his, the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, we have the fire and we have the wood, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered him, and they both walked together. You know, one of the first things we realize when we get tested, testing reveals our motives. 
It reveals our motives. Like the heart can be tricky. We can think we're good because we judge ourselves through our intentions, not like through reality, right? So the heart can be deceptive. It can kind of fool us a little bit. But when we go through a test, it reveals the motives of our heart. Was Abraham more excited that he finally had a son after 99 years on earth? After 25 years of praying and waiting and praying and waiting and hoping and wishing and praying and waiting, he finally has a son, and now the Lord asks for that son to be sacrificed. I mean, this is totally different. We don't think of sacrifices. Look, look, we don't do sacrifices anymore. We just celebrated the spotless lamb of the world that took away the sin, right? Jesus was the sacrifice once and for all. Thank God we're not sacrificing little lambie. I'm glad that this ain't the Old Testament. I'm glad we don't have to do that. Praise God. I'm not down with that. I'm not trying to kill Lambie and little pigeons. and I'm I'm good. I'm glad the priest did that. Now we got a new covenant. We don't have to do that. But back then, it was different. And there was a sacrifice to be made. But there was no sheep. It was his son, his firstborn. But the testing reveals to us what we trust in. Abraham was fully convinced in the character of God. God's good, his intentions for me are always good, and even if he gave me this son and he asked for him back, I'm going to give him back. And if he's got to resurrect him, he can resurrect him. Whatever God's got to do, he'll do it. But God is good, he's for me, I will trust him. And halfway through this process of preparing, Isaac puts it together. Wait a minute, we're missing something. I see the knife, I see the fire, I see the wood. You know what, I don't see dead, I don't see anything to sacrifice. What up with that? Oh, 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 I'm, oh, I'm carrying the wood. No, 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 son. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Man, the test reveals our motives, our trust or our fears, but it reveals it. It reveals it, whether it's our trust, whether it's our fears, whether it's if we're more excited about getting blessed by God than being excited about having a relationship with God. The test reveals it. And we don't know how we really feel. It lays dormant until we get tested. And then when we get tested, testing doesn't just build our character. Testing reveals our character. It reveals our motives. And the testing reveals that Abraham was confident in God's character. God will provide. Just wait. God will provide. Let's keep walking. The second thing that we see is that the test teaches us to put God first. The test teaches us to put God first. Verse 9, when they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar. He arranged the wood on it. Then he tied up his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up his knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. The test teaches us to trust God first. Abraham, Isaac, this is first. His kid, his only son. And God's asking him, will you trust me that much with the first? I know I promise you descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky, but here you are with the first. Will you trust me? 
And as he raises the knife to slay him, stop, shut it down, shut it down, don't kill him. Now I know your heart's been revealed. You fear me, you trust me, you know I will provide. Verse 13, then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yerah, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, the people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And I love this. As Isaac's carrying the wood, walking up the mountain, the Lord was leading a ram up the mountain to get caught in the thicket by its horns. The Lord was orchestrating everything. But it wasn't until Abraham experienced that level of trust that his confidence in God was at that next level. The testing teaches us to put God first. I remember when I was learning this lesson. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents talked about tithing. The, tenth, the first 10% of your income goes to the Lord. It's a test. It's a test that God is faithful. It's a test that we can trust him. It's a, it's a test that if we'll trust him with the first 10%, he'll put his blessing on the 90% and it will be enough, right? And so I remember learning that and, you know, I was learning it. And I did that. Like my grandma would pay me 10 bucks to cut her grass. Well, she would give me an option. She would either give me 10 bucks to cut her grass or a chicken pot pie. I'm not going to lie. More times than not, I took the chicken pot pie. But, I mean, you couldn't tie off of a chicken pot pie. Who was I supposed to call up the pastor? Hey, I got a slice of chicken pot pie. You want it? Like, you can't. So I would just, I don't know. I love the chicken pot pie. My grandma could cook really good. So Granny Joe would cook the chicken pot pie. Keep the money. I'll take the pie. And, oh, it was glorious. So good. Loved it. But when I did take the 10 bucks, I knew a dollar goes to kids' church. Then I got $9. Put some in savings, put it in my piggy bank, and then the rest, let's go get some candy. I won't save in that money. I was getting candy, man. But, the, but so, like, the test teaches us to put God first, right? And so that taught me, and I forgot that lesson. Fast forward to college, and now I'm on my own. My parents aren't looking at my finances. It's on me and my choices and how I want to, you know, I'm gonna get to make those decisions. And I'll never forget where Sunday was coming, or it was a Sunday morning, and the offering plate gets passed by. And I just, like, I think I put, like, a $20. But I put something in, kind of flip it. Like, I wasn't, it wasn't, like, I didn't give it a lot of thought. It was just, like. All right, I got some money left over at the end of the week. Here you go. And then I'll never forget. I felt so hard in my heart. It was just like, did you just give God a tip? Like you go to the restaurant, you like the meal, you like the music, you like, oh, this, here's a tip, God. And then I'm telling you, I could not wait because it was before online giving. So I couldn't go online and just, I had to wait to the next Sunday. And I was like, I'm going to fix this, God. I remember the principle of the first. I'm going to give you my tithe. I'm going to give you my tie. Because I was just like, I just came to church and gave God a tip. Oh, that was wonderful. Wonderful, exquisite. Here's a tip. <laughs> Man, I was just like, what am I doing? Because I was intentional. It was just what I had left over for that week. So I was like, sure, man, why not? Here you go, God. Thanks for the blessing. And it was a tip. It was not the tenth. But what I learned, it's easy to give a tithe. Or oh, excuse me, I said that backwards. It's easy to give. Like it takes faith to give it first. It doesn't take faith to give it last. And so for me, it was easy to kind of give God a tip because it was last. I already had it. I didn't have to worry about or trust him to provide. He had already provided that week, and I was giving him the leftovers, like the seconds. 
But then I started like adjusting my life because that was the first year I ever went through the reading the Bible in a whole year. And I was just like, man, in the Gospels, like Jesus is talking about money and finances and resources and stewardship like every other verse. Good grief. Like he's always talking about money. Like what is this about? Because he's trying to teach us to trust him. So we can grow our capacity. I didn't get that. But I'm reading it and I'm reading it. And then in Malachi, he's talking about just test the Lord and see. I was like, okay. So I started tithing. Not because my parents made me, but because I wanted to. All right, God. And, man, I'm telling you, there were some moments of faith that start to build something in me. I was like, man, it takes faith to trust God at first. Not at the end of the week. Here's a good tip, Lord. Thank you. But at the beginning, Lord, I'm convinced that you're for me, that you're with me. And if that your word says I'll trust you, you will provide. Here goes. <laughs> Come on, sometimes it's a step of faith, and you say, I hope this works. This is real talk. I hope this works. But I started it. And man, I couldn't believe. Wait a minute. Unexpected jobs started coming in like crazy. I started, because I was a lifeguard, and then on the side, I would teach swim lessons, and they just started doubling and doubling and doubling. I was like, man, I'm really busy now, like teaching swim lessons. Like, I'm not marketing. I'm not, what? I didn't even like, and I was like, oh, yeah, because I'm trusting him at the first and not the last. I'm not just giving him a tip anymore. And it started to give me a revelation of, like, what God could do through following his principles. I was like, wait a minute. You are real. You are involved in my finances. And you've got really good plans, and you're just trying to grow my trust. But I'm telling you, it takes more faith to give first than it does to give last. Here's Abraham, his only son, finally after all these years of waiting, God gives him a son, Isaac, and he's blessed. Wait a minute, God, now you want it back? What up with that? Why do you want my boy back? But he didn't do that. But I'm telling you, man, Abraham had some faith on him, and it was accredited to him as righteous. Number three, the test builds our faith. It builds our faith. Genesis 22, 15 through 18. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations on earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. The test builds our faith. It's one thing to hear that, and it's another thing to believe it and live it. But when we see that God is faithful to watch over his word to perform it. And when we step out in faith and we trust him, our capacity for what God can trust us with begins to grow, begins to expand. So we're not just, Abraham's not now like just overseeing Isaac. Like he's about to start walking into the fullness of all these promises. Your descendants will be as the nations on earth. They will all be blessed. You will conquer the cities of your enemies. As we're faithful with the little, God gives us more to entrust us with, to be faithful with. If you can be faithful with the little, you can be faithful with the lot. But it's not about what God wants from us. It's not about God wanted Isaac from Abraham. It wasn't about that. It was what God wanted to do for Abraham. And Abraham's over here thinking about a son, and God's over here thinking about me and you. Galatians says that we are the sons of Abraham, those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Abraham's thinking about his son Isaac, and God's thinking about you and me, bringing us into the family of God. But it's the test that builds our faith. I'm telling you, it's so important that we begin to build our faith so we can carry what God's called us to carry. You want to live your best life? Then it's going to cause your faith to expand and increase. We can't live our best life in all that God has given us and all that God wants to do if we're still like giving God tips. I'll trust you with the leftover, Lord. That's easy. No problem. I'll trust you out of an overflow. I'll trust you out of abundance. No problem. But man, don't make me get sacrificial. Don't make me get intentional. And I started to learn in college, if I wanted to give God my first, if I wanted to give him my best, it required me to live intentionally. Like I couldn't blow money, like just frivolously on candy and stuff, right? Like I had to start like, all right, let me look at my finances. Like I want to give the Lord what's his first. And then like, I got to be smarter. I gotta be smarter. I gotta say no to Starbucks a little bit, right? Like, I gotta, gotta be smarter. It required an intentionality on my part, but it was amazing because that intentionality felt like an invitation to God to be involved in my finances, to be involved in my heart, to be involved in my mind, to be involved with me trusting Him. Every day was an invitation to walk with God and to trust Him with the first, not the last. And I just started to find my faith increase, increase, increase. test the testing is so important because it reveals what's in here today my prayer is that every single one of us would trust God with the test so that he would begin to strengthen our resolve to trust him more and as we trust him more our capacity to what God wants to entrust us with will only grow the testing grows our capacity to trust in what we can be entrusted with like we don't need more capacity so we can contain more That's not how the blessing of God works. It's a river, not a dam. It's a river, not a pond. You don't fill it up and fill it up and fill it up just so it's full. You fill it up so that there's a flow. And as the resources come in, as the faith comes in, as the trust comes in, it comes out. And we're blessed to be a blessing to others. This is what God promised Abraham in Genesis 12, the first Sunday we were talking about this. There's a flow. And it's so much easier to release when we recognize that it doesn't belong to us anyway. Abraham came to a place in his life of faith where he realized Isaac wasn't his son. Isaac was God's son. And God loved Isaac more than Abraham could ever love him. We got to get to a place in our life with the resources, our time, our treasure, our talent. It's not ours. God gave it to us. And if he gave it to us, he can give us more. And it's about creating a divine flow in our life, an invitation to trust and grow our capacity so that God can flow through us and do more than we ever expected. And as we do that, our capacity grows and we can hold more, not to contain it, but to release it. Now, why is it so important that we grow in our faith? Because God wants to entrust you with more. He's good. He's benevolent. He's a good father in all of his ways. He's not going to give us something that would shipwreck us, train wreck us. He's not. He loves us too much. I'm like, man, if I gave Stephanie a million dollars, man, she might spend half of it on lottery tickets or whatever. I know, but no, you wouldn't do that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, He's not going to bless us just to train wreck us. He loves us. So as we develop and grow our capacity to trust him, our faithfulness, our stewardship, he sees up. 
okay, let me bless, let me bless, let me bless, let me keep going. That's good soil. It's not going to hurt them. It's going to help them. I can trust them. It's not going to shipwreck them. They're going to be okay. And man, and as we begin to do that, God just gets more and more and more to us. I'm believing overflow of our life. But none of this is about money. None of this is about money. It's about trust. God just wants our trust. We hope that you have been inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more info or to connect with us, check us out at c3citylight.com.